Blog Talk Radio. Give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope and you restore every heart that is broken. Sing it to us. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. Give life, sing it out. Give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Oh, yeah. 
pour out our praise to you only. Shalom, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Lord's Hour. Bless each one of you, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. As the body of Christ come together, we come together in the name of the Lord Jesus, name above all names. As we go into this weekend of Memorial Day that we uh, remember and thank the men and women that have served and died for freedom, that poured out their life and blood so we can be free, how can we forget the greatest, the greatest sacrifice of all, that the Lord Jesus, the Son of the living God, came down from heaven, and he humbled himself to be a man, and in being humbled himself, he humbled himself even to go to the cross and die on the cross to give life to all who call upon his name and believe in their hearts. And receive the greatest sacrifice of all. The one who died. That is more than even remembering the men and women in the armed forces. The greatest, the greatest sacrifice was the Lord Jesus dying for each one of us. Amen. And the Lord himself said that the greatest love is that you lay down your life for the brethren. And that's what he did. He had the greatest love of all, the pure love of God, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have eternal life. That we never forget, brothers and sisters, that we always remember what the Lord Jesus did for us, each one of us. He has given us life, and he's given us eternal life, and he's given us liberty and freedom and set us free from the enemy, and from our flesh, in sin. Well, praise God. Join me in prayer as we go and we start the Lord's Hour tonight. Shalom to all and bless each one on in the chat room and all by Skype and by blog talk and, and by phone. Father, we just thank you and just praise you for this night. Lord, that we focus on you and your kingdom. Lord, we just praise you for your love, mercy, and grace. Most of all, Lord, we thank you for your righteousness and holiness. We thank you for your presence. As you said, where two or three gather together in my name, there I am. You're here, Lord, by your spirit, your Holy Spirit, who lives within us, that we are the temples of the living God, and that we have been born from above, and we have been born again, and we're grateful. We're grateful for you and praise you. We thank you for this night. We pray that you protect the airways and the connections. We pray, Lord, that you draw in all that needs to hear and listen. And the ones that will listen by the archive in the message posted later, Lord, that they will be touched too. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit will flow through this message and on the hearts of your people. Lord, we just thank you and praise you because we can do nothing without you. That we humble ourselves before you. And that you will lift us up, Lord. 
and you will strengthen and guide us. We pray, Lord, for protection in the applied blood of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, over the Lord's hour, and over everybody's computers and phones, in whatever way they are listening, that you draw them in, Lord, that you make a way that seems to be no way. And, Lord, we rebuke the enemy, rebuke this world system, the evilness of this world, and the wickedness. By the name of Jesus and by your authority, Lord, we give you all the glory and praise. And we thank you and honor you in Jesus' mighty name. And we pray for the Holy Spirit to come and fall upon us. Amen. Spirit fall. Hallelujah. Praise your name. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord of God. Hallelujah.
Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the wonderful name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Kodesh. Hallelujah. Kodesh. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. Holy. You're so holy. Glory to the Lord. Yeshua. Yahweh.
for most people. God have mercy. We know in the world and divisions, but the body of Christ, this should not be. Amen? If we are truly led by the Holy Spirit, praying and studying God's word, we should all be on the same page. We be like the body that Jesus is coming for. The ones who are walking in oneness with Christ and walking hand in hand with the brethren being led by the Holy Spirit, this is who the Lord is coming for. Not ones walking in the world. Not one causing strife and division among the brethren. Not one spouting off with their own words of some wisdom from man. One's not forgiving one another, loving one another. We are all different. God made each of us very unique. But in Christ, we are all one. Amen? We walk, I mean, we are to walk like Christ, talk like Christ, act and live like Christ. In the flesh, we mess up sometimes and make some mistakes. But this should not get you down. The Lord has made a way to get back. That is repenting. And when you do something, someone wrong, don't fuss and fight and gossip, but ask forgiveness and restore fellowship with the brethren in the Lord. Amen. So we will study and seek what the Lord is saying to us tonight about this very important contrast to get ready for his coming for his bride and church. Amen. Go to Proverbs 6, Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. We'll start this study with this. Verse 16. These six things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are repulsive to him. Verse 17. A proud look, the attitude that makes one overstate oneself and discount others. A lying tongue and hand that shed innocent blood. A heart that creates wicked plans. Feet that run swiftly to evil. A false witness whose breath breathes out lies, even half-truths. And one who spreads discord, rumors among the brothers or brethren. Brothers and sisters, the one that repulses him is spreading discord, rumors among the brethren. Today, that would be called gossip, causing hurt and pain, amen? This breaks the Lord's heart to see this. It makes him very angry, angry to a righteous anger, because doing this, there is no love, just hate. The Lord Jesus told us to love one another and not hate and divide. We are to look to Jesus, our example. He gave himself for each of you, his life, even his blood, to bring us together as one in him. Yes, Lord. Tonight, when I was looking at Facebook, a sister, a sister in Christ shared about a young man in her area, a young man named Dylan we need to pray for. This young man shot himself because he was being so bullied and put down 
at school. There is an example of what this kind of discord and strife and division is. It produces hate. And it produces meanness and hurt. When somebody gets to the point, they want to kill themselves. He's in a coma. And we need to pray for him. I'm sorry. He's in a coma, and we need to pray for him. Because we know the God we serve. That in the name of Jesus, this young man can be risen from this coma because we serve the God of life. We serve Jesus, the resurrection and life. And, Lord, we pray for life in this young man and show that he is loved, I pray, as the brethren and the people of God pray for him in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, that we pray in unity. For without unity, we will not stand, Lord. We will fall. And, Lord, we pray you help us and understand what that means, unity in oneness. In the name of Jesus, amen. So what does discord and divide mean? The meaning of discord. Here's the meaning of discord. Listen to this. A lack of concord or harmony between. Person strife. Dispute. War. And the last one is very interesting. Listen to this. Anyone confused or harsh noise? The last one reminds me what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13.1. 1 Corinthians 13.1, listen to this. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love for others, Growing out of God's love for me, then I have become only a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal, just a noise distraction. There it is. There it is. That's what discord is. This is so true. Those who are causing strife and division, they are a big distraction. Church, do not let them distract you from the truth of God's word and the guidance of the Holy Spirit in these last days, in this last days. So important to know the Word of God and hear in the Spirit of God who guides us into all truth. Amen? Now, what does divide mean? Divide means to separate into parts, groups, sections. Become divided or separated. God have mercy, brothers and sisters. This is what religion does. What is religion? It is man's ways or ideas how to reach God or worship God their way. This just causes confusion and division. One time, heard from a godly man, I think it was one of my uncles, who told me, religion kills and relationship heals. He was saying, above all religions, all denominations, and any other man-made ideas to get to God, you have to have a relationship with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. To us, he finds us. In the book of John, Jesus says this. John 6, John chapter 6, 44 through 47. This is the only way to God Almighty, the Father. Listen to the words of our Lord. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, giving him the desire to come to me. 
and I will raise him up from the dead on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will be all taught of God. Everyone who has listened to and learned from the Father comes to me. Hallelujah. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who was with the Father and is from God. Uh, he alone has seen the Father. I assure you, and most solemnly say to you, he who believes in me as the Savior, whoever adheres to, trusts in, relies on, and has faith in me already, has eternal life. That is, now possesses. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Everybody's talking about being demon-possessed. How about being God-possessed, not in the sense of like an evil spirit, but the Holy Spirit lives within you. Amen? Hallelujah. Let him take control of your life. Give him your life. You'll never be the same. You'll be able to sleep at peace at night, and you won't have to have one drunk, one drink, one drug, or anything to be at peace. The Lord God will bring it. Hallelujah. Be not drunk on wine, beer, alcohol, whiskey, drugs, or anything, but be filled with my spirit, the Lord says. There you have it. In the word of God, if people would just wake up and not be distracted by men and be distracted by men and women, by YouTube and Facebook, be not distracted by iPhones or TV. Spend time. With, in the word of God, then you will know the truth about. It is not a religion that gets you to God or saves you from death and hell. It is a personal relationship with the Son of Almighty God, Yeshua, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. That's truth. That's God's word. That's truth. Hallelujah. Man should not live by bread alone. But every word that comes from the mouth of God or the voice of God, Helen, he's still speaking. He's speaking tonight. So let's look at this about division and dividing in the word of God. Amen. First about division. Proverbs, thank you for your truth, Lord. Thank you for your word and what you're teaching us. Hallelujah, Lord. You know where we're at and what we're dealing with. A Ford person soweth. In a telltaler maketh division among princesses. I see this a lot in God's word and was wondering what it is, a forward person. The meaning of forward, listen to this, willful, disobedient, fracturous, wayward, and unmanageable, difficult. Now we see this person definitely not humble and obedient to the Lord. They are more like self-righteous and rebellious. Amen? They sow strife. They tell lies. Remember what it says in the Word of God in the book of Galatians chapter 6? You'll know this one, baby. Galatians 6, 7 and 8. Galatians 6, 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed nor treated with contempt, 
nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. But whatever a man sows, this and this only is what he'll reap. For the one who sows to his flesh, his sinful capacity, his worldliness, his disgraceful impulses will reap from the flesh ruin and destruction. But he, the one who sows to the Spirit, <clears throat> from the Spirit, reap eternal life. Brothers and sisters, I know this. In the days we're living, in such a time as this, everyone that holds their fist up to God, ridicules and makes fun of the things of God or his people, they better be very, very uh, uh, thankful we're living in a time of grace. But at the end of your life, at the end of your last breath, what you sow is what you'll reap. If you have not asked forgiveness, you have not repented and given your life to Christ and been born again, you will reap destruction. That's the word of God. You will reap ruin and destruction. But if you have given your life to Christ, if you cry out to him with your heart and say, Lord Jesus, save me, forgive me of my sin, you will have eternal life. You will be born again and be able to come into the kingdom of God. Amen? How this person is being described in Proverbs, they are sowing to the flesh when you call strife, lies, and gossip. Amen? Now, go to Romans 16. Romans 16, verses 17 through 18. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to keep your eyes on those who cause tensions and create obstacles or introduce temptations for others to commit sin. Acting in ways contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, turn away from them. For such people do not deserve our Lord Jesus, but their own appetites and base desires. By smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the heart of the unexpected, the innocent, and the naive. So be alert, brothers and sisters. Be very careful who you listen to, what people write, and watch out when you're watching YouTube videos. Amen? Another reason the Lord said, be not deceived, and to watch and pray. Amen? Go to 1 Corinthians, hallelujah, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, 10 through 13. I urge you, brothers, I mean, brothers and sisters, to keep your eyes on those dissensions and create obstacles or introduction to commit sin for others to commit sin. Hold on, hold on. I see something. Give me. Uh, okay. All right, baby, you read it because it did not copy on my. It, it, it did Romans 16 again for some reason. I don't know how I did that, but uh, can you read First uh, Corinthians 10 through 13 for me? Okay, hold on. 
Let me. I'll find it. Tell them I'll find it.
is the righteousness of Jesus. He is giving you the robe of righteousness. He is giving you the garments of salvation. It is all in Jesus. Without Jesus, we're nothing. With him, we stand in righteousness of Almighty God because we're covered by him, by his blood, by his righteousness, by his holiness. He makes us who we are. Amen? Be very careful what you say or teach or even preach. It it better be Holy Spirit inspired and led or just keep your mouth shut. Or there is very serious consequences. Amen? Oh, the Lord is speaking tonight. It is serious, serious business with God. I mean, brothers and sisters, there is life in death in the tongue. And that we are supposed to bring the words of life, brought the words of life. But he brought the words of warning, too, if you do not walk in the ways of God, what the consequences thereof is. That's part of love, too. Love is warning people of danger. Love is warning people of consequences of your actions. Amen? Then, an encourage encouragement to you who are the church of the living God. Look what Paul says here. The temple of God is holy, sacred you are. Hallelujah. This is the word of God. See what God thinks about you, that you are holy and sacred through Jesus Christ our Lord. So humbling and awesome to know. Amen? I mean, it just blows you away. That's one of the stories. Whoosh! <laughs> this whoosh over your head. Amen. All right, let's go to First Corinthians chapter three, verse three. Now listen to what Paul said. I, this Corinthian bunch was uh, probably a <laughs> a lot about what, what what we're looking at here in the United States. <clears throat> the church in the United States, God of mercy. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and division, are you not carnal and walketh men? He's asking the question. Paul asking the question to the Corinthians and us too, brothers and sisters. If we have these in our life, are we not carnal? In other words, walking in the flesh? Yes, we are. If we have any of these in our life, repent of them now. If you have hurt anyone with uh, anyone with these, ask forgiveness if all possible. Amen. First Corinthians twelve. First Corinthians twelve, verse twenty-five. First Corinthians twelve, verse twenty-five. I tell you, God's word is eye-opening, isn't it? Let there. I mean, lest there should be any division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Amen? There should be no division in the body, but as you know, and well as me, we see it every day at Facebook or YouTube or even in the news. God have mercy. Help us, Holy Spirit, to be one in Christ. Teach us how to love one another as Christ did and does. Let us Look to our example, Lord Jesus, denying ourselves and love and take care of others as you did and still do. Amen. 
Now we'll look at the Bible from the Word of God. Go to Hosea, the uh, book of Hosea, chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. See if this sounds familiar going on in today's news and the things that are happening. Israel is luxuriant, impoverished vine. He produces fruit for himself. The more his fruit, listen to this, the more altars he made to Baal. The richer his land, the better he made the adulterous pillars. Does that sound familiar here in the U.S.? Their heart is divided, faithless. Now they must bear their guilt in punishment. The Lord will break down the horn of their altars. He will destroy the idolaters' pillars. Sounds familiar in the news these days. Just like Israel's nations now are rebelling against Almighty God and following and worshiping the false God Baal. God have mercy. Hear what the Lord is saying here. Their heart is divided, which is faithless. Without faith in God, the true living God, not some false God or idol, not some man or woman, but true faith is belief and trust in God, Yahweh, Elohim, Adonai. Amen. Look what happened to Israel. Judgment came because they turned to false gods and not trusting and obeying the true living God. God have mercy. Let me say something here. All you out there listening, be very thankful that we are living in a time of grace because in the Old Testament times, God's judgment came much swifter. The Lord God, loving and merciful, but he is also holy, righteous, and true. Amen? Remember what he says in the book of Isaiah the prophet. Let's look and please take heed what the word says. Isaiah 42, verses 5 through 9. This is what God the Lord says. He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its produce, who gives breath to the people on it, and the spirit to those who walk on it. I am the Lord. I have called you Messiah in righteousness for a righteous purpose. I will also take you by the hand and keep watch over you, and I will anoint you as a covenant. To the people, Israel, and as a light to the nation, Gentile. To open the eyes of the blind. To bring out prisoners from the dungeon. And those who sit in darkness from the prison. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I will not give to another. Nor praise to carved idols. Deed. The former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. Before 
they spring forth. I proclaim them to you. This says it clearly. He does not share his glory with false gods or carb idols or any every or even any man or woman. He is telling everyone in the world he will share his glory with one, and that one is Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Glory to God, hallelujah. As the prophet Hosea prophesied, the judgment came on Israel swiftly. Well, all out there listening, the age of grace is coming to a close. The door is about to be closed, and then swift judgment and the wrath of God and the Lamb of God will be poured out on all who worship and follow false gods like Baal and who follow a man who says he is God. The word of God calls him the beast, the Antichrist, the son of perdition. God have mercy. All who are listening, this door of grace is closing. And since you did not recognize the Lord's coming, there will be judgment and wrath poured out like it was in the Old Testament again. God have mercy. Lord Jesus, we pray for the lost, the blind and the lukewarm. Lord, we, we pray, open the eyes to see in their minds to know the truth, that you see clearly that this is the last hour of the last days, and they need to turn away from this world and their flesh and away from Satan and false teachers, that they would hear your voice calling to them. Here again, the Lord Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, has something to say to all you out there. The God of the universe comes to our level to speak to each of us is so amazing and shows you how much truly he cares and loves. Amen. So please hear him as he pours out his heart to you. Amen. Oh, Lord, help me. Holy Spirit. Get a drink here. Hallelujah. By your gun. By your guidance, Holy Spirit, come to me, all weak and heavy laden. Learn of me. Repent. Turn from your evil, sinful, selfish ways. Come to me. Be born again from above and walk with me. Talk with me, and I will fill you with my Holy Spirit. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that I am your Savior and your Lord, believing that I died for each of you. I took the nails for you. I took the thorny crown for you. I took the lashes of the cruel flogs and whips for you. I took the spear in my side for you. I died and poured out all my blood for you. This is a love I have for you. You have been told so many lies and false doctrines of man and the devil that you're so confused in what to believe. My children, all my created ones, I have made it so simple. Just have faith in me. Believe in me and love and trust me. 
because I first loved you. I didn't stop there to show you even more love and mercy to you. I defeated your mortal enemy. You were dead and had no hope on the road to hell until I am defeated Satan, sin, death, grave, and the hell. I have made a way. There is no other way to come to my Father and the kingdom of heaven except by me. I am the resurrection and life. I am the only one who can raise you up when you fall asleep or when I come before the tribulation for my overcoming believing church and bride. I am the only one who can raise you up by my mighty Holy Spirit, which only lives in those who believe by faith and trust in me and my Father. <coughs> this is the second part to this. <coughs> Forgive me. Excuse me. That you believe that I died and rose again the third day in your heart, that you can be born again, and all of heaven rejoices when you come home, you come back to your creator and God. You are saved from death and hell. You will spend eternity with me, your Savior, and Lord, Yeshua Jesus. Amen. I come quickly. I am coming quickly. Do not grow weary, but press on and hold on to the anchor of your soul, for it is a sure anchor that will not break loose. Amen forever, Yeshua Jesus. Still, Yeshua Jesus, the loving Savior, wanting none. I mean none perish. You don't have to perish or go to hell. You can be saved. Jesus is the Savior, the only Savior, the only way to eternal life. See, the other choice is eternal death, because separated from God, there is no life. God have mercy. So again, as always, pray and confirm this word is from the Lord. Amen? Scripture reference to this word, Romans 10, the Lord taking us down the Roman road, amen? <laughs> the Roman road to salvation. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word, the message, the basis of faith which we preach. Because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognizing his power, authority, and majesty as God, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes in Christ as Savior, resulting in justification, that is, being made righteous, being freed of the guilt of sin, and made acceptable to God, hallelujah. And with the mouth he acknowledges and confesses his faith, openly, hallelujah, resulting in and confirming his salvation, amen, hallelujah. This is the greatest miracle of all. It is available for each of you who are listening tonight, amen. John 19, oh, praise his wonderful name. He wants us to remember, 1 through 19. 
John 19, 1 through 19. The caption for this chapter is called The Crown of Thorns. So then Pilate took Jesus and had him scourged, flogged, and whipped. And the soldier twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put a purple robe around him. And they kept coming up to him, saying mockingly, Hail, king of the Jews, good health, peace, long life to you, king of the Jews. And they slapped him in his face. Then Pilate came out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him, no crime, no cause for an accusation. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Look, the man! When the chief priests and officers saw him, they shouted, Oh, yeah, here you go. We're supposed to have mercy and grace, the examples of God. Listen to what these people said. Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourself and crucify him. I find no guilt in him, no crime, no cause for accusation. The Jews answered him, We have a law regarding blasphemy, and according to the law, he should die, because he made himself out to be the Son of God. So when Pilate heard this, he was even more alarmed and afraid. He went into the batorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus did not answer him. So Pilate said to him, You do not speak to me? Do you not know I have the authority to release you or have the authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, You have no authority over me at all if I had not been given to you from above. For this reason, the sin and guilt of the one who handed me over to you is greater that, than your own. As a result of this, Pilate kept making efforts to release him. But the Jews kept screaming, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar and rebels against the emperor. Isn't this amazing, brothers and sisters? Here are the Jews, the one in Israel, that are very upset. They are being ruled by Rome. And look at here. They bow down to this worldly government and this worldly system <laughs> and crying out that they support Caesar and Rome. Boy, they sure are far from God at this moment, aren't they? Verse 13. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat at a place called the pavement, but in Hebrew it's called Gabbatha. Now, it was the only it was the day of preparation for the Passover week, and it was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Look, you're king. But they shouted, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! 
Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, Boy, here's supposed to be the leaders, the religious leaders of Israel. Listen to what they say. We have no king but Caesar. The crucifixion. Then he handed him over to be to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and went out bearing his own cross to the place, the place of the skull, which in which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they crucified him, with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate wrote an inscription on a place card and put it on the cross, and it was written, Jesus, the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. This is what Jesus did for each of you, one of you. He loves you so much. There is no other one who cares and loves you like Jesus does. The Pope does it. He didn't die for you or will. Obama does it. He didn't die for you or will. Any religious leader didn't die for you or will. Only Jesus did. All these others are false Christ or antichrist. Amen? John 11 John 11, 25 through 28. Glory to his wonderful name. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in, adheres to, trusts in, relies on me as Savior will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me as Savior will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed and continue to believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed, the Son of God. He who was designed and purposed to come into the world, and it is for you that the world has waited. The Lord Jesus, the Savior of the world, is asking you this tonight. Do you believe this? Do you believe that he is the resurrection in life? Do you believe if you die that you will live eternally with him? You better make sure. You better be right with God because judgment is just down the road. You can see the storm clouds gathering. So let's move on to more great truths about God's word. Amen? Let's look what happens when a land is divided. Amos 7, chapter 7, Amos chapter 7, verse 17. Therefore, says the Lord, thy wife shall be a harlot in the city, and thy sons and daughters shall fall by the sword, and thy land shall be divided by line. Thou shalt die in a polluted land, and Israel shall surely go into captivity forth of his land. God have mercy. We hear in the United States and know that it is like by our own history, the Civil War was horrible. It was from sin of a nation on both sides and a land divided. Amen. Matthew 12. Matthew 12, 
verses 25 through 28. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Any kingdom that is divided against itself is being laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will continue to stand. If Satan cast out Satan, that is his demons, he has become divided against himself and disunited. How then will his kingdom stand? Verse 27. If I cast out demons by the help of Bezebu, Satan, by whom do your sons drive them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. But if it's by the Spirit of God that I cast out the demon, then the kingdom of God has come upon you before you expected it. United as one in Christ we stand. Divided we fall. God have mercy. These words of Jesus are profane. As you look out through history of man, they are so true. From nations divided brings war. To families divided brings heartache. Amen? Luke 11, verse 17. Luke 11, verse 17. But he knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every king divided against itself shall be desolate, and a house divided against an house falleth. Amen? So we see. So we have seen division and being divided and what these bring in our life. So now let's look at being one in Christ means. Amen? Hallelujah. Good news. Look what happens when we are one in the Lord. Hallelujah. Second Chronicles. Listen to this. Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13. Hallelujah. Listen to this. Praise God. And they were as one. Blowing trumpets and singing, and made one sound to be heard in praising and thanking, thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with trumpets and with cymbals and with instruments of music, and when they praised the Lord, singing, For he is good, because his mercy lasts forever. Then the house, even the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud. Amen. Hallelujah. We want this. Amen. The glory of the Lord filling this place. This body of believers coming together as one to worship and honor him, Yeshua Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, verse 6, verse 8. I mean, chapter 6, verse 8. Excuse me, man. Chapter 6, verse 8. She is but one and undefiled. My well-beloved is gone down into his garden, to the bed of spices, to feed in the garden, and to gather lilies. Amen. Hallelujah. The bride of Christ is one and undefiled through him, our bridegroom and King Jesus. Isaiah 10, verse 17. 10, verse 17. And the light of Israel shall be as a fire, and the Holy One thereof as a flame. And it shall burn and devour his thorns and briars in one day. 
I would warn anyone out there or any country out there, not a good thing to mess with Israel or the holy God of Israel. Amen? Our God is an all-consuming fire. John 17, verse 11. John 17, verse 11. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep them in thy name, even them whom thou givest me, that they may be one as we are. We are to be as one as the Father and Son are. Amen? Jesus' words in his prayer for us. Why are we to be as one in Christ? Listen to this, John 17, verse 23. John 17, verse 23. I and them, thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as I has loved me, as thou hast loved me. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Acts 2, verse 1. Acts 2, verse 1. You all right, babe? Okay. Acts 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was come, they were all in one accord in one place. When the Holy Spirit came, They were in one place, in one accord. They were together there in Jesus' name. For the Spirit to be poured out, they had to be obedient to what the Lord told them to do. They had to be in one place. They had to be one in unity with the Lord Jesus. Amen? Go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verses 12 through 13. For just as the body is one, and yet has many parts, and all the parts, though many, form only one body, so it is with Christ. For by one Holy Spirit, we are all baptized into one body, spiritually transformed, united together. Whether Jews or Greeks, Gentiles, slaves, or free, that we were made all made to drink one Holy Spirit, since the Holy Spirit fills each life. Amen? By the Holy Spirit, we are made, we are one united in the body of Christ. Without the Holy Spirit, there is divisions in sex. Amen? 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty six. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What is to be done then, brethren, when you come together according as every one of you have a song or have a doctrine or have a tongue or have a revelation or have interpretation, let all things be done unto edifying. Amen to this. Galatians 5, verse 13. 
Galatians 5, verse 13. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty as an occasion unto the flesh, but by love serve one another. Amen. Serve one another. This is being one in Christ. Ephesians 4, verse 32. Ephesians 4, verse 32. Be you courteous one to another, tenderhearted, freely forgiving one another, even as Christ, I mean, God for Christ's sake, freely forgave you. Be as one in Christ. Amen. Philippians 1, verse 27. Philippians 1, verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whatever I come, well, that whatever I come and see you, or else be absent, I may hear of your matters that you continue in one spirit and in one mind, fighting together through the faith of the gospel. Amen. Continue in one spirit and one mind. What mind, brothers and sisters? What mind? The mind of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. We ought to thank God always for you, brethren, and is meet because that your faith groweth exceedingly and the love of every one of you toward another abundeth. Amen. Praise God. Hebrews 10, verse 25. Hebrews 10, verse 25. Not forsaking the fellowship that we have among ourselves, as a matter of some is, but let us exhort one another, and that so much the more because ye see that the day draws near. Have to stay together, brothers and sisters, in one accord. Exhort one another as we see the day draws near. Amen. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8. First Peter 3, verse 8. Finally, be you all one mind. One suffer with another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Amen. Look to our example. Our Lord Jesus and Master Jesus Christ. Amen. First John chapter 3 verse 23 is then his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave commandment. This is being one in Christ. Amen. Finish with this powerful word about being as one in Christ. Amen. Romans 12, verses 1 through 16. Dedicated service is the caption for it. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
by the mercy of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourself, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect plans and purpose for you. For by by, by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think more highly of himself and of his importance and ability, that he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has appointed to each of a degree of faith and a purpose designed for service. For just as in one physical body we have many parts, and these parts do not all have the same function or special use. So we, who are many, are nevertheless just one body in Christ, and individually we are parts of one another, mutually dependent on each other. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each one of us is to use them accordingly. If someone has a gift of prophecy, let him speak a new message from God to his people, in preparation to the faith possessed. Is service in the act of serving, or he who teaches in the act of teaching, or he who encourages in the act of encouragement, he who gives with generosity, who he lives, I mean, who leads with diligence, who shows mercy in caring for others with cheerfulness. Love is to be sincere and the active. The real thing without guilt and hypocrisy, hate what is evil, detest all ungodliness, do not tolerate wickedness, hold on tightly to what is good, be devoted one to another with authentic brotherly affection as members of one family, give preference to one another in honor, never lacking behind in diligence, a glow in the spirit enthusiastically serving the Lord, constantly rejoicing in hope because of our confidence in Christ, steadfast and patient in distress, devoted to prayer, continually seeking wisdom and guidance and strength, contributing to needs of God's people, pursuing the practice of hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, persecute you, who cause you harm or hardship. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, sharing other joys. Weep with those who weep, sharing others' grief. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, conceited, self-important, exclusive, but associate with humble people. Those will realistic self-view. Do not overestimate yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God, the one who brings unity, 
and he brings us together as the body of Christ. See, so we see division and being divided brings strife, anger, hate, brings false doctrines, this confuses people, is of the devil who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants division. He wants chaos. The Lord, excuse me, the Lord wants us in unity. He wants us to be as one in him. He knows what we need. He knows better, he knows us better than ourselves. We need one another daily to love one another, to pray and support one another. Because where the spirit is, there is liberty, and where the spirit is one in Christ. The body of Christ, many different members and parts, but one in the spirit through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. By our love, they will know. We are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the spirit.
not the diagnosis. Now he tells us what's wrong. He comes to 5, 9, and 10, and he says, Christ has been, and that he has been designated as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. He takes a breath. You can almost hear him sigh and says in 5.11, concerning him or concerning this, what I have been talking about briefly, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. And And there is our first explicit diagnosis. Here's the disease. He's He is working on their letter, dullness of hearing. This is what's behind all those exhortations. Pay close attention. Consider. Don't harden your heart. Fear. Be diligent. Hope fast. These are our doctor's prescriptions for the disease of dullness of hearing. The most urgent question this morning is, do you have the disease? If so, how can you get well? But first, we need to make sure we know what he's talking about. What is the dullness of hearing? Let the writer explain his his own terms for us. Let's take the two words one at a time and look at them in one place in Hebrews where each is used, dullness. Take the first word dull or slow or sluggish. It's used one other time in the New Testament, namely in Hebrews 6:12. Let's read 6, 12, 11, and 12, and you'll see what the, the opposite of dullness is. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the dull assurance of hope until the end, and that you may not be sluggish. There's a word for dull in our text, but Imitators of those through faith and patience inherit the promise. The opposite of dullness is diligence or earnestness to take the message of hope into into the assurance of hope. It's the imitation of people who hear the promise of God and then respond with faith and patience. So dull hearing doesn't mean that there is anything wrong with your physical ear. It means there's something wrong with your heart. The heart is not eager and diligent to embrace the promise that turned them into faith and patience. Instead, the word comes into the ears and goes out down the heart and hits and hard and tough or something and starting to get hard. The dullness of hearing, that's dullness of hearing. The promise comes to the ear, but there is no passion for them. No lover's embrace, no cherishing or treasuring, and so no faith and no patience. And if things don't change, no inheritance or eternal life. Which is why he wrote this book and why I preach this sermon. It is incredibly dangerous disease, this dullness of hearing. Hearing is the other word we can track down. The, is the other word. It's used in the one other time in Hebrews, just like dullness is, namely in four two. For indeed we have the good news preached to us, like us, like as they also, but the word they heard 
literally the word of hearing, same word as in 511, dull of hearing, the word of hearing not did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. So here's some problem again. A word of good news, a word of God's promise, and a hearing, but no faith. This is dullness of hearing. The word goes in the ear, comes out the heart, down comes to the heart, and meets dullness and slowness and hardness. The opposite of dullness of hearing is hearing with faith, which produces obedience. <clears throat> you can see these three verses earlier in Hebrews three eighteen and 19. And to whom did he, God, swear that he would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient. Note the word. So we can see that there was not able to enter because of unbelief. Notice. The switch from disobedience to unbelief. I think this means that the root of the disobedient is unbelief. Lack of trust in the promises of God. So, you can see what dullness of hearing is and why it is so important. It is a kind of hearing with the ears that is in the heart. It doesn't embrace the word of God in faith. So, therefore, it doesn't produce the fruit of patience and obedience. So, which, whichever way you go, looking at the word dullness in 6.12 or looking at the word hearing in the context of 4.2, the answer is the same. Dullness of hearing is hearing without faith and without the mortal fruit of faith. It's hearing the Bible or the preaching of the Bible the way you hear the freeway noise on I-20 or the way you hear music in the dentist's office or on the way you hear record, a recorded warning at the airport that this is a smoke-free facility. You do, but you don't. We have all grown have grown dull to the sound. It doesn't it does not awaken or produce anything. A word of Jesus from Luke eight eighteen is very important here. When he had finished telling the parable of the four souls where the seed of the word he says, Therefore take care that you hear for whoever has to him shall more be given. And whoever does not have, even that he thinks, he shall be taken away from him. In other words, if you have the grace to hear with faith and fruit, you will you will get more grace. But if you do not, even what you think you have will be taken away, namely the word. Plead with you, even now at this point in this message, to be diligent and earnest in how you hear, lazy, drifting, positive, dull listening, 
is incredibly dangerous, even now, at this very minute. Now, Jesus points at the same point, the writer in the Hebrews is, is trying to make, <coughs> excuse me, <sighs> the one who has grace to hear will receive more grace, and the one who does not, in other words, is dull of, or hard of, of his hearing, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Hebrews 5.11 says that there is no much, there is so much more that the writer wants to give his readers. Concerning him, we have much to say, but you have become dull of hearing. If they had more grace to hear, they would have received more that the writer has to give, but they're becoming hard and dull and in the danger of throwing away the little they have. That's the remedy. That's the disease. Now, what about the remedy? How about you get well? Somebody might object. Somebody might object that I am using the term disease when the text uses the term babe and mature. A person who is dull of hearing is compared to a babe in verse 13b. They has no, has to drink milk. There is nothing diseased about a baby's dependence on milk. So why do I use the image of disease? My answer to this objection is that if a person is still a baby when he is old enough to be a teenager, he has a disease. And the disease in this text is called dullness of hearing. So my question remains, what is the remedy? Why are some Christians stuck in the baby stage of development with the disease of dullness of hearing? And what is the cure? Keep in mind that dullness of hearing is what what dullness of hearing is. This is not a physical problem. Deaf people can be the sharpest hearers and the blind people can see the the sharpest seers. It's not physical. Dullness of hearing, you remember, from 6.12 and 3.18 is a failure to make use of the word hard to nurture fruit and bear the fruit of obedience. Dull hearing is passive and lazy and does not reach out and grasp the promise of God and embrace them. Passivity produces Perpetual babes who may discover they are doll Christians and not even Christians at all. They ha- that's the disease. <clears throat> the key verse to des- describe the remedy is verse 14. Solid food is for the mature who, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Now, ask yourself this question. If solid food is for is only palatable, digestible for the mature, with what food do you become mature so you that you can eat the solid food? The answer is you become mature with milk. The problem with these Christians is that milk is weak for is weak or the base can't 
each state. The problem is that babes are not exercising with the milk they have. You see the key words there in verse 14. You become mature by practice or exercise or habitual response to the milk. The problem is the milk of the word is not producing muscle of faith. And muscle of faith is not producing acts of righteousness. This is how you grow from a baby Christian to a Christian, from the milk of the word to the muscle of faith of acts of righteousness. But as soon as I wrote this down, I noticed that it's not quite right. It's true, I think, but it's not exactly what the, the, this text says. Verse 14 does not say that milk of the word shouldn't produce muscle. It says, in effect, that milk should produce a new mind. The mind can discern between good and evil. Because of, because of practice, the mature has their senses, internal, moral, spiritual senses, trained to discern good and evil. Now, that is amazing. Don't miss it. It could save your years of wasted living. What verse 14 is saying is that if you want to become mature and understanding the moral, solid teaching of God's word, then the rich, nutritional, precious milk of God's gospel promises must transfer your moral senses, your spiritual mind, so that you can discern between good and evil. Or let me put it another way. Getting ready to feast on all God's word is not first an intellectual challenge. It is first a moral challenge. If you want to eat the solid food of the word, you must exercise your spiritual sense so that it is to develop a mind that discerns between good and evil. The startling proof is that if you stumble over Mechizedek, it may be because you watch questionable TV programs. If you stumble over the doctrine of election, you may be, it may be because you use some, still use some shady business practices. If you stumble over God-centered work of Christ on the cross, it may be because you love money and spend too much and spend too much and give too little. The pathway to maturity and to solid biblical food is not first becoming an intellectual person, but becoming an obedient. What you should what you what you do with alcohol and sex and money and, and leisure and food and computer have more to do with your capacity for solid food than where you go go to school or the what books you read. What what this means is that if you want to grow up and feast on the fullness of God's revelation, you don't do it by jumping from milk to meat. You do it by way of drink the milk. The milk has to make you a certain kind of discerning person before you can digest the meat. This is important because in highly technical society for development, it's the key to maturity. This text makes makes clear that it isn't. There are many PhDs who choke on their spiritual immaturity 
on the things of God. And there and there are many less educated saints who are deeply mature and can feed with pleasure and profit on the deepest things of God's word. Amen. So the key to maturity and the remedy for dullness of hearing is not jumping from milk to meat. The key is the way you drink the milk. What you do with the milk of the word. Let, so let me close with these three steps to how to grow with milk to maturity. First, you drink in the milk. That is, you listen to the milk of the word, the message of God's promises in the gospel. You read them yourself in the Bible, and you sit under the preaching and teaching of God's word, and, and you give heed, you, and you are earnest and diligent to apply your heart and mind to what is being said. You're not passive or cavalier or indifferent. Babes long for milk and are incredibly focused on when they are thirsty. Second, savor and swallow and digest and be satisfied. Crucial. If this doesn't happen, the next stage of discernment will not happen. Here is a a miraculous spiritual event of loving what once you hated. You love to taste the milk. Taste and see what the Lord that the, that the Lord is good. And when and when the promises of God and the and the God of the promises are tasted, the milk satisfies. And when it satisfies, it transforms your values and priorities, which leads us to step three. With Step three, with a heart satisfied with God now, discern good and evil. There are hundreds of decisions that you must make every day and which are not spelled out explicitly in the Bible. What to watch on television, political positions to take, investment strategy, vocation, insurance, retirement, business tactics where to live, what to try, whether to own a gun, how to discipline your children, what to wear, where to volunteer, and how much to give, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and the list goes on. It doesn't take take discernment to know what's wrong if you have a list from God, knowing when to knowing when to murder and when to steal and when to commit adultery takes no discernment if you believe God given the Ten Commandments. So verse 14 is talking about decisions that are not laid out specifically in the in the list. And it says there are just such things as discernment between good and evil. How does this discernment come? It comes from habitually, by regularly practicing, nourishing, and shaping your spiritual senses. The Word of God in verse 4 doesn't mean physically senses <coughs> by the word of by the word of God until the word becomes words of righteousness power a word producing righteousness is the in the mature Discernment is what you do naturally when the milk of God's promises is so savored and so satisfied 
that it gives you the mind of Christ. This is the remedy of dullness of hearing. Drink with delight until you desire, the desires of your heart are so transformed as to become discernment of good and evil. (coughs) 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 Then you will be mature and ready for me. This fruit. This was from John Piper. I just love him so much. He is such a good teacher. Yeah. I mean, it's very clear that that's part of the maturity of being a my treasure 
Deuteronomy 29:29 The secret things belong to the Lord our God but those things which are revealed belong to us and our children forever that we may do all the world work do may that we may do all the words of the law. There are some mysteries or secret things concerning God, the universe, the humanitarian that we may never fully comprehend in this. They are revealed truths that we can count among our most precious possessions. When When God reveals truths, it changes us permanently so that we can change the world around us with the same truth. There are many biblical examples of key revelations that that brought about great personal, national, and even global transformation. Yeah. God revealed himself to Noah and and the human race was saved from extinction. Genesis 9. God revealed himself to Abraham and a covenant nation was born. Genesis 17. God revealed himself to Moses and Israel was delivered from slavery. Exodus 3. 12. God revealed himself to Saul, later to be named Paul, and the door to the Gentiles swung wide open. Acts 9. Now, God has revealed himself to you in a very special way. He has opened your understanding concerning the 65 promises bestowed on the children of the righteous. This revelation belongs to you and to your children, and nothing else can steal it from you. you, Go ahead. Expect results just as dramatic as the personal level, as the building of the ark, the the miracle birth of Isaac, the collapse of the Egyptian empire, and the gospel spreading to every nation. If revealed truth could accomplish such great feats of faith of others, 
just what will it accomplish for you and your children. Praising God now for the miracle that you need. Our prayer declaration, I'm adding my children and my grandchildren, and I'm adding their spouses. Where I have their names, add your children's name, your grandchildren's name, their spouses, and here it is. Lord God, I give you, I thank you for all the revelations given me, especially this revelation of the promises that you have bestowed on the children of your people. This this insight belongs to me. I claim it as a gift from you, God. It belongs to my children. It belongs to Joshua and Emma and Scotty, April, Jessica, Bobby, Veronica. It belongs to Scotty's wife, Carrie. It belongs to April's husband, Zach. It belongs to uh, Bobby's wife, Susan. It belongs to my nine grandchildren. Also, nothing can steal it from us. It is part of this wonderful inheritance. You have imparted on us. This awesome truth has come into our home to bless, to change, and to transform us from that we might have blessing, change, and transformation to the world. I pray and believe that you will activate these promises on our behalf. Lord, but one more, more than that, I believe you will use to activate Use us to activate those promises in the lives of others. I declare this blessing will not end with us. It will keep passing from one life to another until it encircles the globe. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.
behind the veil of what is seen, the natural eye. A great event is being prepared. A war and a wedding feast will have their place in time. Soon and not yet is the word that the watchman gives as he strains his eyes through the darkness of the night mist. He can sense that just beyond the horizon, a great brightness is preparing to break forth. Arise, you sleepers. Shake off your slumber, he calls. Come and fill your lamp with fresh oil. Trim your wick. Cry out in the streets and do not let your voice be silent. For the coming of the great king is at hand. Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Only wait for the Lord. Be strong and have a good courage. And wait for the Lord.
Raise up watchmen out of every nation. Raise up those who will stand unafraid in the night hour, who will give no sleep to their eyes, no peace or rest give them to you, Lord, until you make Jerusalem a praise in all the earth. You have sworn it by your name. Hallelujah.